The Irish Times Inside Politics podcast is going to be holding another live event. This one is in central Dublin on Thursday, May the 16th at 8am. We are going to be in Medley in Dublin too. We only have a few tickets left, so if you want to join me in conversation with head of Ipsos polling in the US, Cliff Young, along with Pat Leahy and Jennifer Bray, looking at the polling in Ireland in the run-up to the European and local elections, just go to irishtimes.com slash events where you can get your tickets. It's Wednesday, August the 14th, and you're very welcome to the Inside Politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. Finian McGrath is Minister of State for Disability Issues since May 2016, and he's been a TD since 2002, currently for the Dublin Bay North constituency, and he's also a member of the Independent Alliance, which forms part of the current government. He joined Deputy Political Editor Fia Kelly and myself to discuss the place of independence in Irish politics, as well as their coverage in the media and what impact Brexit is likely to have on the government's budgetary decisions over the next few months. And just to say also that if you listen right to the end of this podcast, you will hear us breaking completely with tradition in a rather unexpected way. But first, here's that conversation. Finian, you're very welcome back. Thank you very much, you, and delighted to be on your show. Good. I gather you got a bit of your be in your bonnet about the level of coverage or the type of coverage that you and your independent colleagues get in the media? Uh, well, I don't, like to, I don't want to sound like a moaner or a groaner, but I do have concerns about the modern uh, political class and political journalistic class, the way they cover politics in Ireland, because I feel that all the major political parties get huge coverage. And I notice particularly, it's not, I'm not relating to myself now, I'm talking about when during the local example, the local elections, for example, I felt that a lot of independent candidates got absolutely no coverage compared to Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, Sinn Féin, Labour and Green candidates. They got lots of pressure. For example, the big story of the local elections was, was it 5960 uh, uh, Green councils elected? There's 189 independent councils elected throughout the country. And I feel... Uh, that they didn't get the coverage. And in my own area, for example, the big story was swing to the Greens and all that like. But the bottom line is the local independent councillor, Damien O'Farrell, topped the poll. He beat everybody off the pitch. Uh, he wouldn't be a big star, never got any coverage. He didn't get coverage in the Irish Times because his granddad was Sean Lamass. He didn't get coverage for all sorts of reasons like that in different papers. And the, the, the family dynasty connection in politics seems to be out there as well. And it's totally unfair on independents that are trying to make a breakthrough. And basically, the reason I'm saying this from a democratic point of view is you have the bigger parties, but there are between, uh, we'll say, 10 and 18 percent of the population who are now in the independent mode. And I feel that a lot of the modern media don't take this on board and they give obsessive coverage to the political parties. And I think the European elections proved it and the local elections proved right. it. Just to say that for our listeners who don't know that Lamas references to a young next generation member of the Haye family who stood for Fianna Fáil in, in that war, but failed to get elected for Who didn't actually feature in the Irish Times. He was the cover story of a weekend review in the Irish Independent, which I think is the thing you're referencing but but like, I mean it's a broad it's a broad point the broad point was mm. people connections get connected and, and, and by the way I know the person personally and I know him locally and yeah. I have no personal issue what I'm saying is some people in politics and some of them can be connected with the journalistic field as well yeah. seem to get more coverage than regular uh, people who work on the ground these wouldn't be big stars but they go out and work on the ground and with, I just picked one councillor like Jamie May of Europe and Dundalk is another classic example most of the people wouldn't have heard of her she ramped home up in Dundalk why does she ramp home? She's on the ground. She's working in the community. That's what Councillor Damien Farrell does. And I feel that a lot of the modern journalists don't give enough coverage to these people. And some of these people, by the way, are potential TDs. And in two years' time or six months' time, some of them will turn up on the All-Ireland and you'll be all saying, who are they? So there's so, a couple of things yeah. that strike me about this, yeah. Vic. For the first 
one is that actually one could make a defence on the basis of how difficult it is to cover independent candidates. There are hundreds of them around the country. They're not grouped in a party. So you can't do a big story about what this party's strategy is going to be and illustrate it by a couple of candidates. They're, they're disparate. It's oh, it's, it's one of the things that's, that's in the nature of independence. But the other one might be that there is a prejudice on our parts, and I, I would include myself in this, to focus more on parties because it's easier. They have a, they have a clear set of policies, more or less. They have internal arguments and dynamics. They have a leader who can speak for them. So it's it's easier, I suppose. It's more practically... It, 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 it is easier. Like, if you bring that up from the local to the national, it is easier to cover politics and, you know, on that basis that you have a, a coherent group or groups within the parliament who, as you say, speak with <laughs> largely one voice, but not always. They are a coherent block. And then you have, like, let's not forget that independents are getting around a fifth of the vote now, consistently. Uh, it hasn't dipped. People thought it would dip after Finian and his colleagues went into government. It, it actually hasn't. Mm. That's um, a bit of a bit When you're in government, you're very popular. But it's so dis- independents are so disparate. So how do you go on the, on the scale of you know Shane Ross to say Catherine Connolly, mm-hmm. or from you know if you take it broad enough to independents and others from the Healy Rays to the Solidarity TDs, like it's just a broad spectrum. Yeah, and. Almost the nature of, okay, like Finian, Finian and the Independence Alliance have changed the dynamic because they're in government, they're working on national issues, but they are very much working on their local issues. A lot of independencies, although not all, there are a lot of very good exceptions like Catherine Connolly and the PAC, tend to focus on their own local issues. So from a national perspective, it's quite hard to cover the issues they want if they're focusing on the local. Some independents, like I say, will break through to national discourse and that's when it's easier for national media to cover them because they're covering national issues. I think it's well, important to say, Philip, yeah, though, sorry, that it, Ireland is very unusual. Yeah. If you look across Europe at the proportion of TDs in national parliaments right across Europe, they have nothing like the almost 20% you know, vote that independents get in Ireland. And part of that is for historical reasons. Part of it is because of the way our electoral system works. I think it's fair to say... Uh, that a lot of political commentators uh, disapprove of this as a trend because people give off, uh, and I've given off for many years, about the clientelist, the localist nature of Irish politics, the fact that there isn't clear, aren't clear divides in policy that end up being enacted in government. And if anything, it could be argued independence make all that worse, not better. Well, uh, first of all, I agree with your first point about uh, it's interesting compared to other European countries. And I know this from talking to politicians from other European countries and also from particularly from the UK where they have hardly any independents ever elected there. But that's their system, first past the post system, by the way, which I think is not very democratic. In fairness, we all moan about politics in Ireland. But I think the system that we have, the PR system in Ireland, is very inclusive because it does give voices to people like myself or smaller groups like the independents, the Greens, SOC Dems, voices to come through the system there. So that's the good news. But in relation to the broader issue, you see, this is the labelling that goes on. It's part of the problem that I have to break, break down this mindset, you is that all... Uh, independents are parish pump type politicians. The be- reality is, yes, we do work in our constituencies, but we also have a national vision for our country. We also want to deal with the national issues. I'm Minister for Disabilities. I'm responsible for a budget in 2019 of 1.904 billion, which has increased to 7.5% on last year. I'm making the point is we do the national stuff, but we also do the local stuff. So there is that point. But can I go back to the mindset again? Just take your typical Irish Times a person who buys the Irish Times and I'm one of these people who gets it delivered to my door every morning Uh, they're readers after the local elections most of those your readers I would say from listening to the coverage say the Greens won the election 
That's the mind. That, that's what I'm saying. Whereas most of your t- re- listeners here this morning, I bet you will not know that the independents got three times the vote or four times the vote the Greens got in the local elections. Now, to me, is that's unfair on the independent candidates who are out there. I'm, I, th- I, I have no problems with the Greens uh, getting fair and balanced coverage. But it's sometimes uh, we felt a lot of us felt it was excessive, and a lot of us felt during the local elections, the small little independent man or woman down in D- Loud or D- uh, out in Dublin Bay and North didn't get the same coverage as the regular guys, and that's the point I'm making. But it's also wrong when you change. Independence have also, as well as having a local vision, we have a national vision, and we want to get involved in politics. But it's and not that's coherent. why I ended up in the cabinet. But it's not a coherent national vision. Well, I, so I, I, yeah, I, the I Independent Alliance last, last election had a charter for change. Mm. It was, if you don't mind me saying, a very slim light document compared yeah. to what the manifesto yeah. for various parties. So it's very hard for us to cover the national vision of all independents because... Yeah, and I understand that, Fig. That's a, re- yeah. that's a, a legitimate thing because yeah. you have thousands coming at you. I understand yeah. that point. Mm. But the point I make is what I, we need to change the mindset to say that there is a little block there of 15 to 20% in Irish society, they're independents, and some of them now are anxious to get involved in government. They are now players, and just to recognise that, but during Europeans, during locals, and during national elections. That's sus- all. I suspect that the problem... I have no problems problems if, the, if one were to accept for the moment that yeah. your point that there is a problem with the coverage, I suspect that if anything... It's going to get worse for, for for two reasons. One is that in the world of broadcast, we're not subject to the same rules as broadcasters are. But broadcasters are so sensitive and mm. so uh, to, sensitive to, to getting in trouble with the BAI, essentially, that the idea of picking, you know, covering one candidate and then being criticised for not co- mm. covering the four other candidates means that certainly in my observation of RTE and the national radio stations over the course of the election, they decided not to cover any of them at all because they, they thought it was just too messy. Yeah, I, 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 I was on... Or to you know? election, and we were <laughs> discouraged from mentioning an individual candidate because if you yes. mentioned one, we'd have to read through them all. Yeah, yes. and then like, which is I, a terrible. I, I accidentally me- mentioned one candidate in like, <laughs> the mm. highest role, and they had to then end the show by reading every. Candidate I mean, I've heard Marion Fanu can read out these things. It's it's like the death list in local radio, and yeah, she has to read yeah. them out. Then at that point, you so know, I think yeah, like you know, how do you deal with? Like, well, but no, but I, look, I I take those points when it comes down to the nitty gritty stuff. You can't mention the world, but I'm just saying is I'd like the broader media uh, mindset to change. That there's a pocket there in Irish society that are that are radical, they're independent, they're responsible. They're very liberal, they're very inclusive, and they vote independent. Can I ask you a question? Since yeah. you went into government, um, you know, many people vote independent as a protest vote. Heretofore, there hasn't been, there has been a tradition in independence supporting governments from the backbenches. There hasn't, well, apart from 50 years ago, in recent times, there hasn't been a tradition of independence sitting at the cabinet table. Have you or your colleagues in the, in the Independence Alliance felt a kickback from the people who vote for you because you went into government? Uh, well, first of all, it's a very strange place to be when you're independent to be in cabinet. That's the first thing. Uh, the, rea- the, the reaction locally, I've got no... Initially, there was a, a, it took a while to adopt to the fact that I was a minister, right? Uh, just locally. But then as the, as the last, over the last two years, and uh, as you know, I, I would be out and about. I was in Darnley during the week. I was in Belcamp. I was in Tonleggy Road. And I was in Gaffney's on Sunday uh, after the drum, or Saturday after the drum match. So you get a kind of feel from people coming up to you, talking to you. So the answer is, I've got no negative uh, uh, feedback from the majority of people in my constituency. Now, what I do have concerns about is there's a rump of people who vote independent because they're anti-establishment and they don't want you in any way to be any way part of the political system. And I'd say, I'll take a hit on 
on those. In, but you're in not getting, so. for example, the, the, you know, the really high emotion that you saw. So for your colleague or your former colleague, Aon O'Reardon, who represented the same constituency as you and they were, was booted out like most Labour TDs the last time around, the, he and other Labour uh, members of government really came under you know, quite yes. personal attack on social media and when yeah. they were out canvassing. You're not getting any of that or are you? Well, some no, of, we, of course you get some of it. I mean, when you uh, that when it's part of your, when you're in government, you're always going to get a kicking and uh, you're, you're, people uh, sometimes expect that you have to deliver more than you did. And when you, even when you do deliver things, people always want more. That's part of life. So you do get you do get a kick in being in government and you do get an extra kick in being in independent government. But the overall broader view is which I get and I listen to the broader, go outside the political bubble and, and the political activist kind of mentality whether it's in the political parties. When I go to the broader public, like I walked, spent two days this week walking over the doors of and streets of Darndale, Belcamp, and I'd say only two people Give out made a negative comment to me. The rest of them were all saying, Finney, stay in there, do your best, try and get solutions, try and do something about antisocial behaviour, try and do something about housing. People are looking for solutions now. People are also getting fed up with those and those uh, independents and those in opposition who were just coming into the doll, grandstanding, uh, scoring political points, end up in the Irish Times or the 6-1 News, having a great hit against the government, blah, blah, blah. But the bottom line, people are saying to me, let's get solutions. And this is what people want. People want their independence to be radical, to be independent, but also to, to bring something to the table. And I feel in the disability sector, I brought something to the table. Boxer Morden has done something in relation to rural Ireland, his vision of rural Ireland. And that's where, we're, that's where we're at. Do you still feel that you're treated sometimes like a joke or an exotic feature of cabinet that, you know, you yourself have gotten controversy for saying certain things and people would kind of tut-tut about it yeah. and say that that isn't required? Like... Do you think that like the, the likes of a Fine Gael or a Fianna Fáil or a Labour Party voter will ever accept you and vote for you because you're in government or they just see you as an annoyance? Or do you think that the person who votes for Richard Bruton will turn around now on polling day next year? Well, I'll, I'll give him a preference as well because he went into government. Uh, well, first of all, I never got the tut tut and vote on us, that's for sure, because <laughs> the troubles I've been in over the years, whether it's playing, the, playing, playing music or uh, getting into trouble over smoking, so I never get those voters. Uh, the voters that I get were people, as I mentioned earlier on, they're open-minded, they're liberal, they're inclusive, they also don't mind their local TD uh, being normal, being human. If you make mistakes, which I did, you put up your hand, you admit your mistakes. People like that kind of politician, and that they're my number one voters. And I roughly, I can tell you, I roughly from my research and all, I can roughly say that we've we've about five thousand eight hundred and forty-eight of those solid people. I call them the about, loyalist people. About five thousand eight hundred and forty-eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, you, yeah. you polled there, okay. didn't I? Yeah. You, you, have, no, no, you have polls. You we polled. do research. No, it wasn't. That was just uh, that was my last vote in the last. Uh, but we we've seen this consistently over the years. So the answer is: Do you pick up votes from party voters? No. But what you do, what you can do is. And to answer your second question, you mentioned Richard Bruton. What you can do is, if you go in and do a credible job, some of those mainstream parties then will give you transfers. And then you're in the shake-up for transfers. So if I deliver, we'll say, 12 respite houses uh, for the disabled in two years, or if I deliver 1.904 billion in disability services in the HSE service plan 2019, those kind of people are looking at you, and you might get a two or three of them. Absolutely, yeah. So let's talk then yeah. about a bit of the nitty gritty because you've mentioned the local elections, and the local elections, apart from being good, better for the independents than a lot of people predicted, were good for the Greens as well, and they did well in in your constituency. They were bad for Sinn Fein, particularly across North Dublin, and you're in Dublin Bay North, a constituency close to my heart, I should say. 
weekend that I'm one of your constituents and I think Fia I'm right in saying that Soon you will be. shortly be um, <laughs> one of Finian's constituents as well so canvassing two more votes uh, here Finian but how, what effect does that have on your prospects of if you're running again of holding the seat if the Sinn Féin vote goes down if the independent left vote goes down if the Sock Dem vote goes up because they didn't do too badly what's your analysis of the state of play there now? Well my analysis is that uh, I think the two major parties Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael will hold their vote and might it'll go up a bit uh, I think the hard left parties are taking a hit because like it's made the point is and I have this debate with them because I have lots of friends I might have been personally friendly with Richard Bybar people like that they're all very good at presenting an opposition. They're no good at presenting constructive policies. They're no good at presenting solutions. And people now have reached the stage uh, where people are demanding solutions. So when we say we're going to build 10,000 social housing in 2019, and I'm out in Darndale and Tonleague Road the other day, opening 39, for example, people see that direct connection and they want to see solutions. They just don't want to see a protestant for the sake of protestant. So that's the first. So I think that hard left vote will disappear. The threat to me will be basically the realistic cue is threat to me will be the Sock Dems and the Greens. They will come... Not Labour. The, uh, a Labour. I don't see Labour uh, emerging. I think the threat to me will be uh, Sock Dems and the Greens. Mm. Um, on the wider point, Finian, um, yeah. you were out in recent weeks calling for an extra fiver in, in welfare payments in the budget and other kind of... I follows a pattern of, of, of every budget we've seen in this government. But we're heading into what looks like an extraordinary situation probably facing a no-deal Brexit at the end of October. I just listened to Michael McGrath on the way in, in the, on the radio there, and he was saying, well, tax cuts are off the agenda, if that's the case. So should you not face realism and say, like, it's not business as usual now, and the usual thing you would look for to be, you know, to appeal to your voters, the five euro and the pension, the five euro and other welfare payments, just accept that that's not happening this year? Well, you see, it, this... Uh, absolutely, that's a very valid point, and that's something that I agree with and I d- endorse. And I think that plays into the eerie debate about the mindset. Independence, we're radical, we're different, but we're also very responsible. So if we have a Brexit scenario coming situation, which we have, which I firmly believe, I'm really worried about it because I think it looks like the crash out is going to happen. And number two is, as far as I'm concerned, Boris J- Johnson is planning for a general election. I saw him on the news night the other night on BBC Two. I just said, this guy is ramping up this crime issue. Mm. Typical Tory crime issue is a big number one getter, vote getter. He's And by the way, he's probably going to win the general. So that's that one. To go back to your point, of course, if we have a doomsday situation, a very negative situation, at the moment, it looks like from looking at the estimates, and we're all doing a pitch over the summer, uh, looks the Pasca will have in the region about 700 million space, mm. right? Uh, the answer is, if needs be, uh, first of all, I wouldn't be looking for tax cuts mm. in, a, in a doomsday situation. But I will be fighting for public services mm. and defending my patch. Public services are different from yeah, welfare increases, I though. So welfare increases then, let's go. Well, of course, I, was, uh, I would personally, I'm in the favour of targeting welfare uh, uh, increases to the most easy, whether it's people with disabilities or whether it's children in poverty. I think we could tackle those things. So not the across-the-board five, five euro yeah, increase. That, that would be my so like, philosophy. But to answer your question about the five euro, if we have a situation where we're in a very financial battle, we're over Brexit. The, the, the situation is we we won't we can't afford it. As simple as that. So the answer is now. My personal view, of course, I have discussed this yeah. with, with Boxer Shane and. Uh, and uh, uh, Sean Canning and people like that like and uh, John Halligan so we have to make that decision but my personal view is 
that if we were in an, an economic crash out and we have a very bad situation and we have this plan for uh, a no deal Brexit, the money has to go in the direction it has to and we have to take the It has to go towards yeah. Yeah. sectors of the economy yes. that are going to be the, hard to sit like yes. agri-food. The agri-food, the small business sector, mm. uh, uh, all the different sectors that we've watched and, uh, and, uh, and planned for. And by the way, that plan has been done and is being done as I speak. You are going to stand again, I take it? Yes, then? absolutely, yeah. Looking forward to, I suppose, you know, Joe Biden can run for president at the age of 77. Uh, there's no problem for you. At the, you're you're, you're very, 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 very well preserved the looking 66 there. <laughs> but listen, uh, no, no, I am going to run number one. And number two is, no, I think that it's uh, it's very important as well that uh, that uh, that that people continue on their work. I personally, I just say, I'm delighted I got so long as minister when we all took over. A lot of people in the in the media didn't think we were going to last six months. And now here we are. We're it wasn't on just us, it was your now. two ministers who flipped the coin and, didn't think the thing was going to last either. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's, be, let's be real. But I'm just making a point is, yeah, I didn't expect to get that. I'm delighted that I was there. Uh, from a personal point of view, I was thrilled that I was able to come in. I set myself three targets in the disability sector. First of all was to reform the services. Secondly, to invest in the services. And I mentioned the investments I made. But the third thing is what I'm just finalising and trying to do at the moment is, is switch, change the mindset and focus all the services around the person with the disability, not the HSE, not the minister, not the department. The whole plan of disability service have to be based on the person with the disability. And the other final thing that I'm very proud of is the fact that I was over in the UN ratified the UN convention and that to me was a great honor. Are you not under pressure now though on disability services yes. running over budget yeah. and you're going to have to make cuts or will you have to make cuts? Well as far as I'm concerned there's, there's, there, we've had three years of investment hmm. and as far as I'm concerned I couldn't stand over cuts in relation to any services for disabilities. Right. Uh, as I mentioned earlier on my budget uh, for this year is 1.904 billion that's increased 7.5%. I do know we have problems and I accept there are, like for example, you remember the row a few months ago where mm. we had to find the 2 million and I was glad to be involved in that for 2 million for to bail out re- rehab. Yeah. So there are, I accept the point, there are services that have deficits but, I, uh, but I've been also saying to Pascal and Simon that we can fix, there's a deficit there within some of the big disability organisations mm. around 20 million and surely we can find over a space of time put that 20 million in to plug those deficits so then they can go on and be efficient and be modern and be inclusive. But the answer is, I can't, the Taoiseach knows this, there's no point, I'm not threatening anybody. Bottom line is, red lines for me are disability services, cystic fibrosis and the UANE and But there's not going to be any more investment this year, it's going to be a standstill it's with the 20. Probably, it'll probably, with, the, with the situation and possibly with Brexit, that's probably going to happen, yeah. So there's almost certainly going to be an election uh, before next summer. Um, will you look forward to possibly serving and continuing to do your good work under uh, under Michal Martin's Taoiseach ship? You know, will we be called called to serve the country again? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's far yeah. from unlikely, isn't it? In terms of you look at the way the numbers, you know, might break down after the next election. Sure, yeah. the, the key call you have to make is whose door does he knock on first if it's a tight election to offer his services to? Yeah. You know, well, the first thing the first thing to do is, and particularly an independent. And the late Tony Gregory has always said to me, to mind all this thing, what will you do after you get elected? Because he was involved in the Gregory deal and Charlie High and all that. He said, the first thing he said, McGrath, get elected first and then you can worry about these things. So if I have the honour of being re-elected, of course, basically, I'd have my own programme for government. I have my own priorities. The whole country seems to know them. 
at this stage and I'm sticking by them and of course I'll be open for business yes absolutely I have no problem I'll talk to Micheál Martin talk to Leo talk to Anna it all depends on who gets the numbers after the next election and I can't call it at the moment Do you think that the Independent Alliance will be still in existence by the time of the next election? Like will it be that common platform that you had going into the last election or will you all disperse and scatter when the election is called? The funny thing about it is that we're very different in the Independent Alliance and as you know, this between myself and Shane and John and Boxer. Mm. But the same, there's a cohesion there that even surprised a lot of us because we're very different, very diverse. We actually get on very well personally. Mm. And I think that has kept us together. So if you asked me that a few months ago, I'd say, I don't know what's going to happen. Now, I think from the experience over the difficulties and the internal rows in government, the internal clash of cabinet, we've actually become, uh, we're very bonded together and there's a strong possibility yeah, that we could turn up as a group. And we might even turn up with one or two extras because we have a number of people around the country who did very well in the local elections that nobody has heard of yet. And they're knocking on the door for a doll seat. So we could end up with four to six TDs next time. On a good day now, I emphasise. Mm. Now, can, we could also take a hit. Can I put this to you? Yeah. I mean, you have always described yourself more or less as a man of the left, uh, Connolly and Tone, yeah. that, that kind of lineage. We had a conversation in this studio last week which was about the housing crisis and Owen O'Brien of Sinn Féin has written a new book about history of housing in Ireland. And there is a very clear divide between left and right on what the solutions should be. I mean, you talked about the, you know, the number of houses which are being built this year, but there is a very strong critique from the left, broadly defined, of Fine Gael's ideology when it comes to solving this problem. Are you comfortable with the ideology of Owen Murphy and your Fine Gael cabinet colleagues on this issue? Well, can I say, that is the, 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 the line. Now, personally, I would prefer if I had a guy like Owen Murphy sitting around the cabinet table with me, helping me pushing the social agenda. Uh, am I comfortable? Yes, because I was with Owen yesterday, as I said, up in Tanigi Road, up in 39 new social uh, housing scheme. Absolutely beautiful scheme. But um, of course there are differences in policy I want more social, affordable housing. Uh, some other people want different aspects. Well, but for example, one, Fine Gael that, don't seem to accept the, 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 the criticism that we should be investing in very large-scale public housing, including social and affordable housing, that the state should really be, be in much more interventionist than it is right now. But I think they've changed over the last two years. I think they have faced that, because we had this internal debate, you in Cabinet, and when I push this forward, and in fairness to, I feel they've changed now, but you can, you can be the independent arbiter here and make an assessment. But I feel they've changed. And the fact that there were, the reality is, and the independent lines have told the government, we need to build more social and affordable housing. And even in my own research there recently uh, that I did, uh, the issue, uh, the second issue uh, uh, after health and hospital issues was affordability of housing and the third is social housing. So the public are demanding of us social and affordable. So the answer is we have to build more social housing. I accept that point. Are we, are we building, yes, 10,000 this year, but do we need to build more? Absolutely. So my, my thing is... Uh, I would say the independent alliance will push that agenda, but I feel my experience over the last six or eight months, and Owen has been very supportive of me as well, uh, recently giving me the 15 million for the house, housing uh, adaptation grants for disabled people. So there's a debate going on. There is a debate going on. And, but I feel that we're making an input on the debate. We're not outside the tent like some of the other political parties hurling on the, uh, whistling from the fences and making no input. I would love to see some of the policies that Owen Murphy has and it's just social for. I would endorse them. I'd back them. I'd love to see him around the cabinet table and get an and he probably will after the next government. 
Vic, what do you think of the fact that the predicted demise or at least decline of the independence hasn't come to pass. The idea was really that they were they were part of the symptom of the backlash against mm. the austerity which followed the you know the financial crisis and against Fianna Fáil in particular and then against the Fine Gael Labour government and that that would ebb you know as the country got back on its feet and people would return to the traditional parties or maybe to new parties. If that isn't happening as much as predicted, does that mean that this really large cohort of independents, which, as I said, is unprecedented, you don't get it anywhere in Europe, regardless of their electoral systems, in countries that have PR, you still don't have this number of independents. Is that going to be baked into Irish politics for the next, for the future? I think for the medium term, yes. Like if you look at the polls, if you look at the local elections, there is about a fifth of the electorate who support independent candidates. And the likely composition of the next all is going to mean that there is going to be, have to be some coalition of some description. And it will probably include independence of some sort. Like, let's bear in mind that there are a lot of people who are independent on the opposition benches who wanted to go into government and looked at what Finian and his colleagues have done and will probably jump at the chance the next time to go into government. The thing I found curious about it is that we often categorise it as a protest vote along with the, the hard left, uh, the rise of Sinn Féin. I think it's slightly different in that it's for people who not ne- do not necessarily agree with the policies espoused by the hard left or a bit sniffy about Sinn Féin but like what they see is people who get things done. I earlier this year went on a road for a couple of days around you know Sligo, uh, Longford, Westmead and I was surprised at the amount of times the Healy Ray's name came up. They'd say the only people in there getting things under the Healy Ray's and fair play to the Healy Ray's they do this and they do that for their own constituency. So I think people associate the independent brand if anyone might not disagree with me or not with that type of politician. So it's all about local issues. Yeah, local issues and people who get things done for the locality. And I think that is what is behind the kind of sustaining of the strength of the independence. So as and long as Finian stops any housing developments in Dublin Bay North around Griffith Avenue or anywhere like that, uh, he'll, he'll have the voters he'll in have, Marino he, he, on his side. He should have the voters in Marino on his side. But I found it to show you that like... Pe, pe, <laughs> it's the, the blocks on Griffith Avenue. The prominence of, like, in a way it's self-fulfilling, the prominence of independence in government, the prominence of the Healy Rays and the opposition benches, they're in the public discourse all the time. They're no longer five or six of them on the back benches. They're there all the time. They're seen as players in around the Oireachtas. And I'm I was going to ask stru- you for your political analysis. Is that a good thing for Irish politics? Um, I would say long term, probably not, no. Why? Because um, increased fracturing, if there is to be an increased fracturing of the composition of the doll, that is not a good thing for the way government works and the way parliament works I would think Finian? Totally disagree with Fik mm. and I just think it's part of the the analysis again that we're talking about earlier on that I think is a mistake the bottom line is that I think independents will be here are here to say I think they'll get 15 or 16% I don't think by the way they'll get 20% I think they'll get 15% of the vote over the next 20 years they will be part of society but the the, the, cha- the change will happen will that independents who generally just go on local issues, I take a point, will now move into the space where they feel when they see people who are independents serve in a cabinet level or in government and see. Now, they, they might also take the other view. If we get a kick in at the next election for going into government, they might say, oh, I'm not going near but that like for the next You can almost years, see yeah. a de facto rural party forming on the opposition benches. Yeah. So you could see the Healy Rays leading yeah, as, but some of these like guys as Shane Ross. They had a chance the last day yeah, they, 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 they ran away. And they, they ran away. And they probably learned that. Yeah. That. They've learned that we had our chance. We almost blew it. So you guys cobbled together an umbrella group that gave you negotiating clout. They tried the last time with the rural lines, didn't quite come off. 
but you could see a situation after the next election where the Healy Rays lead as some sort of rural but, cohort that becomes de facto. But I do know a lot of independent colleagues who were in who were in opposition for the last three years, and when I'm talking to them privately, they do tell you privately that they regret not making the decision of having a crack at it. Because I, I'm always armed with this. When you're an independent TD, you never really expect to get a chance to serve in government. So even if you only get it for a year, you, t- you don't turn down the gig or the contract. So that's why we went forward for it. And I'm so, I'm so happy I tried it. Uh, I don't know whether it'll backfire on me politically or not, but the bottom line is I'm glad I had the opportunity. And I, I always say this to colleague, one of the best mornings every week is going into the Cabinet meeting every Tuesday morning and having an input into very important decisions in your country. And that is something that's very important. And I think independence, councillors throughout this country, the 189 of you who did very well in the local elections, I'd say to you, that is the plan for the future. Get involved, but also get involved in government. Don't be a hurler in the ditch. Well, we shall we shall leave it there. Thanks to Finian and Fiac for joining us. Just to say we're going to end the podcast in a very unusual way. We had a singer-songwriter, Billy Bragg, in a couple of weeks ago, but we didn't get him to sing a song. But we're going to break with precedent by having a politician sing a song to finish, off, Bragg, to, to, to finish <laughs> off this week's podcast. It just reminds me to say, before we do that, yep. thanks to uh, our producer, Jennifer Ryan, and our engineer, JJ Vernon. Remember, you can subscribe to us on whatever your preferred podcast provider is. You can find us at irishtimes.com slash podcast you can get me at hlinahan at irishtimes.com or you can usually find me on Twitter talk to you soon take it away Finian Woke up this morning baby got the independent blues You know I woke up this morning baby got the independent blues I went down to Cancola Got nothing to lose. Hey now, can't call her. Don't you get me wrong? I got Shane Ross in the corner, and he's coming on strong. He don't want more judges, but Charlie won't come along. Hey now, boxer. Won't you help me out? I've got a problem in the cabinet And I don't know what to do Will you have a word of Sean Canny Or a chat with Mary Lou? Hey now baby I got the independent blues I woke up this morning, baby Got the independent blues I went down to Cancola Got nothing to lose Hey now, John Halligan What are we going to do? The comrades on the benches All are looking at you You got them all confused And they don't know what to do Hey now Leo Can't you help me out? There's a leaker in the cabinet And I don't know what to do They're looking at me And they're blaming old Murphy too Hey now, baby, got the independent blues. 
I says, hey now, baby, I got the independent blues. I went down to Cancola, got nothing to lose. All right. Ha, 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 ha.